Great to see your face. I know, I saw a lot of you recently. Perhaps too much of you. Some would say we saw too much of one another. Of course, we're talking about our uh, experience at PodFest Multimedia Expo in Orlando, where you and I were for several days at the end of last week. A lot of days. We did a lot of, we did a lot of days together back to back. We can get back into PodFest, but I feel like we need to break just to do the formalities at the beginning of this episode. That's fair. I want to hear you blast through it as cleanly and as speedily as you can. Here we go. This is the modern... This is... Take it easy. Take a breath. (laughs) You're listening to Modern Dadhood. It's an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. My name is Adam Flaherty. I'm a dad to two daughters, two beautiful, strong young women who are nine years old and on the precipice of six. She's right there. She's right there, right on the precipice. Um, Excuse me. My name is Mark Checkett. I'm also a dad, uh, also to two beautiful, strong. What did you say? Beautiful and strong. Did you say anything else? I said young women. I'm a a dad to two beautiful, strong, young twin boys. Nailed it. We should also say uh, Modern Dadhood is available on all podcast networks, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify. Every episode can be found on our website, moderndadhood.com. And uh, if you're a first time listener, welcome to the show. Stick around till the end. And if you like it, kindly consider giving us a rating or a review. It would mean a lot. And if you really like it, you can mail a $30 check to... (laughs) To... To me personally at... One, two, three, Main Street. <laughs> any town, USA. It's, uh, any town that's A N Y. No, yeah. Who's the guest for today's episode? Senior Mark. Our guest today is a gentleman by the name of Shane Burkaw. He he's all sorts of things. He's not the least of which is a I would say leader, influencer, YouTuber. You have probably you listener have probably come across some of Shane's content online. Uh, and he's here to talk about all sorts of stuff, including um, their IVF journey and what that's been like for them so far. Spoiler alert, they're at the beginning of their journey. So you might hear more of Shane on this show, maybe later, maybe in a later episode. Well, I'll tell you what, you'll hear more of Shane in the next episode because this conversation was so rich. There was so much that we couldn't edit out that it had to be a two-parter. So this is part one of a two-part episode with our new friend, Shane Burkaw. All right, back to PodFest. Do, do you think we bonded on a new level? Um, As friends and podcast co-hosts? I mean, I will say that um, now having, you know, had the experience of being uh, I would say sort of violently uh, woken up morning after morning by you taking a running leap into, into, <laughs> into my bed, into your personal space, <laughs> into my personal space. Yeah. I'd say that we're on a new level now. 
throwing a leg over you, giving you a little shake. Yeah. I think all of that, I think, I, I think with all of that, we crossed into a new type of relationship. <laughs> That's all I was hoping for. I know that yeah. you and I were in a lot of the same sessions. We broke yep. up a little bit to try some different sessions, but I came back having learned a lot and uh, made a lot of really great new friends. Who did you, uh, who'd you enjoy meeting? Let's do just a few quick shout outs, Mark. I'm going to bring, I'm going to, you know where I'm going with this one right out the gate. Our new buddies. Yeah. I'd like to give a quick shout out, uh, to cycle chats, Emily and Stephanie of cycle chats. They're, they are some good people, uh, and some serious rock stars. What do you have? Uh, you know, after my presentation, uh, I, uh, uh, was approached by someone named Jocelyn and she's from, uh, keeping up with chaos podcast, which I haven't spent much time with yet, but I'm looking forward to. She was wonderful. Also at your, um, your little thing, your little, your cute little thing that you did, that cute little thing you did. Okay. Let's not be condescending to each other here. What was that? Anyway, what was that all about? I know I was in the second row, but I wasn't really paying attention. I met a, a, a woman named Sophia, who is a founder and host of the As a Mother podcast. I pronounce it like that because it's spelled M-U-T-H-A. Great. Their podcast is all about and geared towards single, mo- uh, single moms. What else you got? I'm rattling through a few of them here. Hello to my new friend, Virginia Elder. Hello to Annie P. Ruggles. Last shout out is to Jody Krangle, who's a voice actor and has a podcast called Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Also, it was really nice to see my old friend, Rich, Rich the Magish from college. He's a magician, Rich LaBombard. Uh, we had a little hang in the parking lot. We sang some songs. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think the highlight of the entire trip was when we walked Rich out to his car, out of which he pulled a three-string bass guitar, and we played some Presidents of the United States of America songs and sang kind of obnoxiously loud in the parking lot of the Renaissance Orlando at SeaWorld. I think it was a git bass. What did I say? Bass guitar? Yeah, I think it was a git bass. I I wanted to give one last shout out. Lauren Gaggioli and uh, and her co-host Jen Hoffman. They have a podcast called Magical Mindset Moments, uh, wherein they guide parents through mindset lessons embedded in the Disney stories we know and love. What a great idea. Love that concept. It's so cool. What a great idea. So thanks to the whole crew at PodFest for making it an awesome event. Let's go back next year. I'm just going to say I'm excited for our listeners to hear this first part of our conversation with Shane Burkaw. We had your friend Ryan Murphy on last Mm -hmm. year, and that also was a two part episode where he shared a lot of details about his his and his wife's journey through in vitro fertilization IVF. And it's been a very popular episode for us. Now, Shane and his wife, Hannah are also going through that process. They're sort of at the very beginning and it's going to be a very different process for them, especially if and when they conceive. Yeah. Shane, I mean, Shane's, uh, you know, Shane and his wife, Hannah, they're going to have their, they're going to have their version of their journey. Um, I mean, first and foremost, Shane has something uh, called spinal muscular atrophy, which, which we get into and he kindly defines for us, but that's certainly going to make for a unique journey for them. 
Yeah. And you can get to know Shane and Hannah by checking out their YouTube uh, channel, which is called Squirmy and Grubs. We'll put a link in the show note or uh, show notes, or you can go to squirmyandgrubs.com where it kind of pushes you to their YouTube channel, to their podcast, to books that Shane has written. Did I say books to books that Shane has written? Books. And uh, I think you did. Into his organization called Laughing at My Nightmare, which is definitely worth checking out. And if you can spare any money, uh, making a donation to that organization uh, is is a very impactful thing to do on the lives of people with physical disabilities. A very a very worthy cause. And, and you know, and in the interview, he he didn't uh, he didn't say this, but I'm going to say it for him. Squirming Grubs YouTube channel, one point one million subscribers. No big deal. That, that's that's no that's that's no big whoop or anything. <laughs> well. I mean, is there any re- reason for us to beat around the bush or should we just get to the interview, man? Yeah, let's jump into part one of our interview with Shane Burkaw right now. Shane Burkaw is a leader and influencer in the area of education and advocacy for people with physical disabilities. Shane has written a number of books. He co-hosts a YouTube channel and podcast with his wife, Hannah, and he runs the organization Laughing at My Nightmare, which is a nonprofit that donates medical equipment to those who are physically impaired. Shane has been in a wheelchair or a power chair since he was two years old. And now at 31, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, he's joining us here on Modern Dadhood to share his journey to becoming a dad. So Shane, thank you so much for making time to chat with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm only 30, so please don't age me another <laughs> year yet. Um, actually, I'm so offended. I think I'm just going to leave. Oh, damn. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, we screwed yeah, it up man. Right, at, right out of the <laughs> gate. I'm just going to put it out anyway. I'm going to put out the episode. We'll put Shane it out in a year. 57, 57 years old, and yeah. No, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, caveat, not a father yet. So whether or not I'm going to be a good match here remains to be seen, but I'll do my best. I think you'll, I think you'll be a good fit. So uh, you and Hannah live in Pennsylvania, but right now you're in LA for a stretch of time. I, I, I assume that there's something cool going on there, some kind of project that you're cooking up, anything that you're able to share with us or do we, or you have to keep quiet? So, okay. We actually live in Minneapolis what the hell? Uh, not, Google is really uh, failed your information, me. Adam. You need to fire your research assistant. <laughs> uh-huh. No, it is confusing. So I grew up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and lived there for the first 25 years of my life. Then I met Hannah. We were long distance for a few years because she was living in Minnesota. And then I made the big move from Pennsylvania to Minnesota about four years ago, where we've been living ever since. Right now, we are spending our winter in Los Angeles. Ken and I are YouTubers and content creators, and obviously one of the places to be for that is L.A. Mm. Uh, but the bigger reason is that the winter in Minneapolis is hellish, for lack of a better word, or maybe mm-hmm. the opposite of hell. Uh, it's a terrible frozen tundra, and so um, we've been trying to seek out some sunshine, which is the main reason that we're out here in LA right now. Good deal. What, do you think that might ever become a full-time residence for you guys? You know, we are actively looking at property around here. All so, right. wow. um, maybe, yes, maybe not. A lot of Hannah's family 
is in Minneapolis and all of my family is in uh, Pennsylvania and the East Coast area. Um, so unknown, but we yeah. do love it here. <laughs> yeah. So are you telling me that like central PA is not a hotbed for like YouTube <laughs> career? Uh, you know, not, not the, the Pennsylvania mountains, as far as I'm aware, don't have Wi-Fi. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. uh, yeah, no, we're, uh, we have a lot of friends out here in LA who are also YouTubers and, it's nice to have people that understand what we're doing because yeah. back in Minneapolis and really anywhere, when you say, when someone says to you, what do you do for a living? And you say YouTube, they mm-hmm. say, no, but what do you do for a living? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and now that we've added in, you know, podcasting and other, other forms of social media, their eyes just glaze over as we begin telling them. That's so funny. it's nice to have people who understand. Yeah, I bet. All right. So before we get too far into the, into the conversation, I think like if our listeners don't already know you by name or through your YouTube channel or, or now through your podcast, yeah, uh, you live with something called spinal muscular atrophy or SMA. So I'm wondering if you can give those listeners like, like what's the quick sort of definition or description of, of SMA that you, that you give? Right. Quickest description. My muscles are shit. Uh-huh. Uh, is, it, is, is my language okay here? It's very oh, welcome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Keep it coming. <laughs> Just making sure. I, it's a genetic um, neuromuscular disease that I inherited from my parents. Either though, even though neither one of them display symptoms, mm. they're both carriers. Um, and so my body lacks the protein necessary to build and maintain muscle. And that means that as a baby, I never really drew very much muscle. Um, I never crawled. I got my first motorized wheelchair when I was two years old, uh, which sounds like a horrible idea to give a infant a, you know, a heavy piece of motorized machinery, but alas, they did. And I've been using a wheelchair my entire life. As I get older, because I don't have enough muscle to really move much at all, um, my muscles atrophy and they become weaker as I get older. Now, big caveat there is that about five, six years ago, the first ever treatment for SMA was discovered and uh, became available commercially. And because of that, I'm no longer getting weaker as I get older, um, mm. but there's really no way to get back all of the strength that I've lost throughout my mm. life. So I require help with everything from getting in and out of bed to feeding myself to uh, putting my shoes on. And I use wheelchair full time. My wife is my primary caregiver. Um, the things that I can do, kind of like physically on my own, are drive my wheelchair, play video games. You know the important things. Yeah. Use my computer, my phone, uh, anything like kind of in the area of my lap uh, is my wheelhouse. <laughs> um, but beyond that, I get pretty uh, pretty useless. <laughs> 
Well, I'll say that the sense of humor that you have about your situation, I mean, is is amazing. And I'm sure that so many other people who have either SMA or any sort of physical disability, I'm, I'm sure are so inspired by that. And um, it, it's it makes your content both uh, interesting and entertaining and uh, applaud you for your sense of humor. I think it's I appreciate that. And I, I, I should say that, like, you know, I. I don't ever want people to find me inspirational simply for existing. Like, you know, I, I, that can easily lead to a road where you're saying, oh, disability is such a horrible existence, but like, was it you? You're, right. you're happy despite all of it. And uh, that's not my worldview and not the worldview of many uh, disabled people. I, I believe that um, living with a disability is not a negative, you know, tragic experience, but rather a different experience that not everyone experiences. And so uh, I use humor because it's how I was brought up to handle difficulty. And uh, um, I think it's a helpful way of dealing with all the inaccessibility and stigma uh, that Mm. surrounds disability out there in the world. (laughs) For sure. So the theme of uh, of this podcast is obviously fatherhood in the past couple of months uh, several months you and hannah on your podcast and your youtube channel have been uh, very open and transparent about your desire to become parents and the beginning stages of your ivf process and I think it's something that is really interesting given your, you know, your unique situation, yeah. your uh, interabled relationship, uh-huh. and would love to sort of uh, ask you some questions about it if you're okay with that. Let's do it. The more pointed, the better. Cool. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I, I guess I first wonder, like, you have been physically disabled since you were born. Yep. Did you always know that you wanted to be a father someday? Ooh, that's a good question. I, my future, let's make it heavy. Um, <laughs> we'll go there. Until the advent of the first treatment for SMA, which came about when I was 23 or 4, um, until that moment in my life, I lived with the understanding that I was getting weaker as I got older and that the more important muscles in my body, like my lungs and my ability to swallow and speak, were going to become more and more affected by my disability into adulthood. Um, I remember being in eighth grade and becoming curious about you know, I, I I understood I was getting weaker, and I extrapolated that, and I thought, okay, what does that look like at 20 or 30 or 40? Right. So I doodled it, like any 8th grader about them would do, and mistake, by the way. Um, <laughs> the information I found, which was sparse, noted that most people with my specific type of SMA pass away by the age of 30. And that moment, that realization colored my teenage and early 
punches in a way that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Um, And it wasn't positive, as you can imagine. Um, I kind of lived with this understanding that I'd be dead by 30. And so that was really the basis for like why I got into writing and sharing my story. It was like, I felt like the clock was ticking uh, and I needed to live and share and just take advantage of every moment. Couple that with the social misunderstandings and stigma and misinformation about disability, all of those factors made for a rough kind of entrance into the world of dating and romance. You know, Mm -hmm. when I was in elementary school and middle school and I began to have crushes on girls and that was never reciprocated, um, I blamed it fully on my disability Mm -hmm. and their understanding of my disability. Um, I internalized it and I um, decided that I was not ever going to be a worthy or valuable partner hmm. to anyone. I believe that thoroughly throughout my teenage years with no kind of awareness that maybe society and the messages that we get in our media was the flawed thing and not me and my body, yeah. you know? Um, so this is my very long way <laughs> of saying that, no, I didn't really think a whole lot about ever becoming a parent. Um, I had to go through some like heavy stuff to even get to a point where I viewed myself as a worthwhile partner and someone that could be valuable to another person. Um, I, I, I wish Hannah were here because, uh, that was all very much because of her and how instrumental she's been, um, in my own kind of understanding and appreciation of myself. So as we're falling in love and um, I'm going through all this and we begin like looking towards the future and uh, looking at becoming parents, that was really the first time that I like hmm. practically thought about like, I can do this. Like yeah. uh, there's really no reason that I can't be a great dad. Do you remember those those kind of the first moments or the first time that you and Hannah started having conversations seriously about becoming parents and, and, and going down that particular road. Yeah. I have have to say Hannah and I don't have many serious conversations, (laughs) Uh, but but Hannah and I sit down and like really, you know, no laughing, no, just, we will now discuss whether or not yeah. we should be parents. Uh, doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So uh, that's not to say we can't be serious with one another, but it's all kind of, you know, interspersed with jokes and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as we began becoming intimate in the early years of our relationship and talking about living together someday and, Uh, what we wanted to do after college and all that. Family has always been really big for both of us. Mm. Uh, It was one of the big reasons that I fell in love with her, was just like how close-knit and 
you know, supportive her family is, it really resonated with me because I grew up in a very tight knit family. Um, and I love that she would like prioritize them above other things. Mm-hmm. And she, when we met, like said, you know, I, I definitely want kids. Um, and it was a, a process for me to be like, Oh, like, okay, well, I, I don't know if we can, mm-hmm. uh, so I didn't know. Like, I, right. I assumed I could, but hadn't ever really given it a ton of thought. Right. Uh, and now, you know, I, I don't think we ever had a moment where we were like, you know, we're ready, let's do it now. It was just kind of like fantasizing about what our family might be like, going through all the hypotheticals. Um, and there was no moment where we came upon any real hurdle in our minds, you know? Like, yeah. we can figure out a solution for every problem that we can imagine, and so I think from then on, our trying became a bit more uh, careless, I'll say, uh, or our, our intimacy. Um, we were just like, well, we're kind of ready. If it happens now, it happens. Yeah. Um, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but it didn't happen. Uh, and that was why we kind of began the whole IVF thing. So you said, you said, you know, in those sort of the, some of those earlier conversations, the thought popped into your head, like you're not sure if you could have right. kids. So what was the process then for you? I mean, I, 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 maybe we're just jumping ahead into the conversation because it, it, it sounds like that's probably something that's came along with the, the uh-huh. IVF journey. But so just for a little tiny bit of context, my wife and I also went through IVF and it similar to your story it was like, well, are we going to yeah. do this? Okay, let's not be careful. And then it just didn't work. And so the transition towards the, the conversation of IVF happened. But right. Um, and then you start to explore all of these things. Is there something going on with me? Is there something going on with her? And you start to talk about right. genetics and biology and all that the mounds and mounds of stuff that you have to start thinking about and talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, what was the process like for you sort of towards the beginning of that? Can we talk there? You know, was it, was it like, let's look at your genetics. Let's look at your, you know, this was the focus on you more than it was her. Was it just, you know, let's look at the both of you equally. Like what was, what was the Mm -hmm. beginning of that process kind of like for you? Um, okay. So as Hannah and I began trying to have kids, I knew that like physically it was possible because I know many other dads with SMA who have had biological children. Um, so I knew that like on a, you know, biological level, it is physically possible for me. Um, there were some doubts in my mind around the time that we began starting that made me worry about my ability to conceive. Um, is conceive the verb for the man? Yeah, I use it for both, right? Yeah, sure, why not? I mean, yeah, whatever, who cares? Um, <laughs> you, uh, well, I mean, you're, so you're referring to having enough, like, viable sperm yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that she could conceive, or right. that together, yeah, yes. okay. and so... My reasons for worrying about my sperm, I'll just be blunt, um, were that one, that that treatment 
for SMA that I oh, told you about yeah. uh, came with a warning that it might decrease sperm count. When that medicine came about, babies were not, you know, the at the forefront of our decision making. <laughs> right. It played into it. You know, we certainly were like, oh, that could be a bummer down the road. But halting the progression of my disease took precedent over yeah. my ability to have biological kids. So of course, yeah. That was one. The other was that I have known for a long time that many wheelchair users who sit on their balls all day long mm-hmm. um, can have issues with sperm count. Yeah. Um, I'm going I'm to go through a list here. But uh, <laughs> another one is that I am very kind of underweight. I'm 30 years old and I weigh 60 pounds dripping wet. Um, and that's also on the list of things that can affect sperm count. Another thing, mm-hmm. not to get too heavy, but I've had challenges with my alcohol intake over the years. Um, something that I've been very open about on our channel and everywhere. But that was another thing that I was like, oh, like, you know, when we began trying, I was like, oh, that. That's the thing that matters more now. Yeah. Um, so when our trying, when our casual and then kind of more concerted trying didn't work, all those reasons in the background made me feel like this was probably my deal. Uh, you know, and has no illnesses or disability that we're aware of um, at this time. And so... It felt like one of those many things uh, on my list of possible reasons was probably the the culprit. Mm -hmm. And so I did an at-home sperm test, kind of like for fun. (laughs) uh, I was like, I don't really know if I think this is like real science or whatever. But I did one, and the results were abysmally low mm. like like almost not on the chart for any of my measures um and that was when we were like oh this is gonna be harder than we thought mm-hmm. uh, and that was what led to us like finding an IVF clinic and really learning a lot more about all of that and you've documented a lot of that on your YouTube channel, um, which for dads and moms listening is Squirmy and Grubs is their YouTube channel and on the podcast Junkyard Mayhem. So I know that Hannah's also done some testing, but that seems to have been more medical in nature. Were those tests kind of happening at the same time or was it you sort of did your home testing first came away with the results from that and then sort of moved toward the, we're going to explore IVF. And so now there's further testing for you. That's in a more medical environment. Yes. So I did the home test. Those results were awful. And then we moved to a more medical environment. Um, We got hooked up with a great IVF clinic in Minneapolis and they, you know, they acknowledged my at home test results, but they were like, but our systems are much more robust Mm -hmm. um, for analyzing those things. So they did a whole nother round of testing on me, which confirmed that my numbers were awful. Uh, And then, and then they did another round of testing on Hannah, 
um, and she's about like, you know, in tip top edge health, <laughs> uh, everything down there is good. Um, and so it, it was obvious that my low sperm count was the, yeah. the main thing. Now, did they kind of roll their eyes when you said I did this home test or did, uh, you know, and, and here's the results or did they say, actually, those results are pretty accurate to what we found? Um, I, I thought I saw kind of a smirk in my doctor's eyes when I told her, but I, she didn't say explicitly. Um, and I, I do know that like one of, I did two at home tests and I know that, um, one of them, the company is used by like the Mayo clinics, but the clinic that we went to just had a lot more tests that they could do. You didn't, you didn't get the tests out of like the, the back of a van, like behind a Walgreens <laughs> or anything. I did. That was, for, that ended up not being real. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> if, you, more clear. if you, yeah, it's cheap, but they don't give you results. Yeah. Here's a question. So, um, Mark shared that he and his wife went through the IVF process and yeah. ended up having uh, twin boys and obviously, you know, multiples are fairly common in yeah. the IVF process. Is, is that something that the two of you are talking about? And have you tried to mentally prepare yourself for if we conceive this could be a multiples situation? <laughs> yes, we've definitely talked about that. Um, I think, you know, our feelings about it are that with my numbers being as low as they are um, and kind of like we're not certain that my numbers are even stable. Mm. We don't have enough data to know whether or not this is where I always am or if I'm on a decline. Um, so we're in, the, in that way, trying to do what we can as fast as we can. Right. Um, and so based on all of our testing, our doctor believes that they can get X number of eggs from Hannah and they will have enough of my sperm to fertilize those eggs um and i know the math is like very confusing but not all of them taste or whatever mm -hmm. um and you end up with only a certain number of good embryos that they can then put back into hannah our deceptions have been that we're going to put in as many good embryos as they will allow and i don't oh, wow. I, I think they have rules about like you know they won't do it might be two i'm not Sure. Um, go go visit the guy behind Walmart. He can do more embryos than to that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know that when Hannah listens to this, she's going to be like, Shane, we, we, we've talked about this. Yeah. You know this. Um, yeah. But I don't remember off the top of my head. But we are open to the fact of like having twins um, or more than one. Um, I think that we both would prefer a single human mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, we're getting our feet wet into the whole parenting thing. But we were just talking to someone yesterday who has twins and they were like, you know what? For your first kid, get twins because it's going to be a lot either way. And so, yeah, we're definitely open to it. <laughs> just a reminder, this was part one of the two part episode. So please tune in to the next episode where we finish our conversation with Shane Burkaw. Oh, should I do the thing? And now for another... <clears throat> don't interrupt me. Don't you interrupt me by clearing your throat? And now for another... <clears> throat> 
<laughs> and now for another uh, rousing uh, installment of Did I Just Say? Oh, man. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Did I Just Say That Out Loud? Okay, this is going to be a very quick one because we're running low on time. I'm really just going to give you the line. There's no explanation needed. The line that I said at the dinner table tonight Mm. was, don't put mashed potato on your eyebrow. That was it. And I was flabbergasted that I had to say that to a nine-year-old. No, it was the (laughs) nine-year-old. He's the older of the two. I 100% picture the younger course. one. Of I course. Of course. A kindergartner can get away with that shit. Oh, that's great. Friends, thanks for listening today. Uh, you can find us at moderndadhood.com. You can find us at all your favorite platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music. Where else? Give me another one. Junkyard <laughs> Mayhem. Junkyard Pod. Uh, well, wherever you listen, please don't uh, don't forget to subscribe. How about a little rating and a review if you're, you know, if you've got an extra second or, or two, we'd really appreciate that because it really helps our show, not just our egos. And please tell one friend about the show. Tell oh, them just verbally. One. Just one. Uh, you can um, find Modern Dadhood on social media, uh, Instagram, what? Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. We have a website, moderndadhood.com, where you can listen to all the episodes. You can learn more about Mark and me. You could buy a t-shirt or a dad hoodie, contact us, send us an email through a form. <laughs> All of these things are available to you. Uh, well, anyway, <clears throat> we also have, I don't, did you get to this yet? We have t-shirts and dad hoodies on the, yeah. on the did you say that? Oh, yeah, good, I said it. I really, I really sold it. Quick thank you to, to Casper, Baby Pants, and Spencer Albee for the, uh, the delicious music that you hear throughout every episode. And to, uh, to Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio, that's redvaultaudio.com for all of the uh he does you know he just got the mixing board and he does the knobs all of that stuff makes us sound uh well it makes us sound professional be honest huge thanks to shane burkoff for joining us keep an eye and ear out for the next episode for part two of the conversation with shane and uh mark your last bullet is it's yours but just one eye and one ear (laughs) it's a turn of phrase yeah it sure is now Um, Also, uh, thank you for listening. Listening.